Hey there, welcome to the What Connects podcast, where we explore human connection with people from Saskatchewan. Today we're welcoming back Tani Sprachinski, who will share the hard-earned perspective she gained when her father became critically ill overseas, and what round two with grief looks like. Let's start the conversation. Okay, today's going to be a very special episode. We're hitting a bit of a milestone on the podcast as we celebrate our 40th episode, so we thought we'd do something super meaningful and have our first returning guest who has another incredibly compelling heartbreaking and insightful story to share. A year and a half ago, we welcomed Tawny Sprachinski on the podcast. Tawny shared how in 2009, her family's world turned upside down when they received the tragic news that her 18-year-old brother Taylor had tragically drowned. Tawny shared how that unimaginable experience impacted her life and the perspective she gained through her grief journey. That episode is our third most listened to episode, partly because the subject material is so relatable, right? We all go through death and grief, but mostly because Tawny was just such a phenomenal storyteller. She's just the perfect mix of raw and transparent while also being incredibly insightful and reflective and her sense of humor and wit. It's just the perfect touch for an emotionally intense conversation. Well, Tawny's back and she has another story to share about an experience that happened after she joined us. If losing one family member wasn't enough, Tawny has just recently lost her father after he became critically ill while vacationing in Costa Rica. Tawny is going to share what she learned as she navigated that complex process of racing against time to get her father home to Canada, what travel insurance looked like and how it saved her family thousands of dollars, and how her second round with losing an immediate family member impacted her grief journey and the similarities and differences from losing her brother. So before we go any further, I just want to pose a really quick trigger warning for anyone listening. We're about to discuss the death of a loved one. Both Tani and I are comfortable talking about our experiences with losing an immediate family member. In this case, it's both of our dads. But if this is a topic that impacts your mental health, please prioritize your own self-care. And don't be afraid to turn the podcast off or skip ahead if you need. If you love Tawny's first episode on the podcast, you will love this one because she shows up the exact same way as she always does. 100% authentic, empathetic, reflective, insightful, and she has a bucket full of impactful wisdom to share with you. If you haven't heard Tawny's first episode, get ready to hear from the strongest person I've ever met, and you'll soon see why she is one of my favorite people in the world. So let's get into it. What connects us to Tawny? Let's find out. Tawny Sprachinski, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. I came here last time to talk about death and I'm back. <laughs> just love it. <laughs> hey? <laughs> such a bright, cheery topic. For sure. Well, it's interesting you say that, like you're talking about death. Nobody wants to talk about that, but I think it's the second most listened to podcast we've had so far because you're just, you're so insightful. You've got such great perspective, but it's also a story that a lot of people can relate to as well. So um, I think what your update is and what the theme of this podcast is going to be is also relatable. And um, I think a lot of people will learn. So there's a reason why you're back. And um, I can't wait to chat with you a little bit about uh, what that looks like. So before we get into your story, hit us with a, a quick reintroduction into who Tawny Sprachinski is and maybe like a quick update since we last chatted with you because I know there's some changes coming on your life. Yeah, uh, I'm Tawny Sprachinski. I'm from Regina or 
I'm from Edmonton, but I've lived in Regina forever. And the reason that slipped out is because I'm actually heading home. So um, I recently just accepted a new opportunity to move back to Alberta. And so my spouse and I are relocating to Edmonton. And that's kind of the biggest one that stands out with updates and changes I have going on right now. Super bittersweet. Like you're just such, such a fun person to have around, but such a great opportunity for you as well. So Let's talk about the reception of your last podcast. Since you're our first returning guest, it's a it's our 40th episode here. So we thought it would be great to have a returner. This is our first opportunity to ask, what was the reception like when you shared your story? It it blew up on social feeds from what I saw, but would love to hear what it, that experience was like for you. Well, first off, I'm super honored to be asked back. I think one of the greatest things that I experienced the first time around was the opportunity to share a story Mm. and keep someone's memory alive so if nothing else it was a way to tell a story about my brother and say his name Taylor and have other people think about him and so that was unexpected but it was like the greatest thing and then the response was so unexpected I had people reaching like people were tracking me down on social media I had different people getting in touch with me to say we've never met um, but your story really resonated with me or I just experienced this loss or Uh 25 years ago I went through this loss and I've never talked about it Um, so I did not expect that at all I thought my friends and family would listen to it and say something nice because they have to I did not expect to connect with strangers all over the province. It was interesting for me to see people share it and talk about how impactful it was. When You know when you have, you're at like a party and you see your friends and they actually know each other and you're like, what? Like, how do you know each other? Like, that was a big moment for me. Like, people like, I'm so proud of Tawny for, for telling her story. And I actually had a lot of people say they, they appreciated the dynamic between us when we were talking about death. It's not a, it's not a fun topic, but like between my dad and your brother we actually there were moments of like levity throughout it where we were kind of joking at times but it just was an authentic glimpse into two people who have gone through some things and death I think we connected really well because we um, I think part of the way we deal with stress or grief is through humor right uh, and that came through in our last conversation but at the beginning you had said we were joking about I'm back to talk about more death and (laughs) you had said yeah because it's not something that's commonly talked about in your life the reason it connects us is because not necessarily that we are we all have it in common that we're going to leave, but it'd be very rare that someone doesn't experience some level of For loss. Sure. Yeah. Like hopefully it's later in life, but at the same time, hopefully you've been lucky enough to love someone so much that when they do leave, you feel that level of grief and that you do miss them to the extreme levels that you and I have experienced. 100%. And to our conversation today, sometimes it happens more than once. There's that that misconception that everybody has that grief quota or that one big thing that happens in their life that they're like, I'm done. I've done it. I don't need to grieve again. This is my one big Everest mountain to climb. And as we'll talk about here, you've, you've had to, to climb this mountain more than once, um, very recently. So we'll be chatting about that. Um, but before we jump in, let's kind of figure out where we were prior to give us a glimpse into where you were sitting in your grief journey with your brother prior to last winter. So my friend and I always talk about going through waves. Mm. So if I'm having a hard time, I let her know I'm experiencing a wave. So she just knows I'm going through something, whether it's grief or some other sort of stress. And I think when you and I chatted, I was not going through a wave. I was just in one of those little modes where things were feeling good. Um, 
and then I definitely felt more emotional after. Right. I think it was just for the response and hearing so many other people's stories, which are, are not a burden at all. That was really cool to be able to hear about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's it's just kind of hit and miss. Anyone that's experienced the loss knows that it comes and goes and it's not linear. It's not tied to specific days or holidays. Sometimes it is, but yeah. um, I've, I, there's, it's hard to come up with one word to describe how I was. I think I was just living and knowing that there would be another grief wave around the corner and I can't not that I sit there and anticipate it or wait for it but I feel like I'm prepared that when it hits me I'm a little less surprised than I would have been maybe 10 years ago and sometimes like the tide is high and it stays like Mm. that for a while and sometimes it lowers not too sure why we're using ocean metaphors (laughs) here but um, it's totally true right so let's jump into the meat of this conversation tell me a little bit about what happened when your parents were in Costa Rica in December Sure. Maybe I will back up. I think one of the things you asked me earlier was what impact did doing the podcast the first time have? And I forgot to mention how close it brought me and my parents. Um, so I thank you for that. Um, we sat down and we talked about things as a family that we hadn't always talked about and it Mm. kind of forced some dialogue there. So I'm very grateful for you and this platform that um, it did that. But so my parents travel every winter to Costa Rica and that's where they spend their winters and they left last just after Thanksgiving weekend would have been the last time that I was with them in Regina and everything was fine when they left. Um, they headed down for six months. And then in December, my dad got unexpectedly sick. He ended up in uh, hospitals in, near like where they stay in Costa Rica. He ended up being air, um, air ambulanced to another center. So San Jose, which is a much bigger city with better facilities, um, was in and out of surgeries, had tons of medical procedures. Did they know like what it was? Uh, yeah, I think, I believe so. One of the hardest or greatest challenges was working with a team of medical professionals that Spoke English isn't, yeah, yeah, English is not their first language. So um, it was difficult for my mom to keep up with everything and understand what was going on. Ugh. It's chaotic at the best of times if he would have been here. Um, yeah. So yeah, they, I, I think believe it started with ulcers in his stomach and it just kind of went from there. Gotcha. So what does that look like? So obviously you have the intimidation of a different language, even like the level of care is, is different. Give me a glimpse of what that looked like. I remember this very vividly. My, I didn't realize my dad had been sick. I think it had been a few days that he was in the hospital and my parents were trying to protect me and not call Mm. me. And the call I got from my mom was that my dad just went in for surgery She's not allowed to be in the room anymore. And so she called me from the streets of San Jose, Costa Rica. Um, they, the condo that they stay in for the winter is four hours away. And so she was essentially roaming the streets and nowhere, didn't know who to go. Didn't have friends there. No one, there, a lot of people don't speak English. Right. Um, so that was one of the first and very obvious differences where if that was in your city, I'd probably have someone pick me up or go home. Right. Um, just wasn't allowed in the room anymore because he, he was being moved to an intensive care unit. Did she know what to expect? Did they, like knowing here, if someone was going through surgery, they would probably tell you, just knowing the level of quality of care that we typically get here, was that different? So I guess two in two ways, um, lots of people we had talked to had said they understood Costa Rica had have a very progressive healthcare system. Okay. So we were comforted by that. But our family has experienced very little health issues um so i don't i can't any no one in my immediate family has actually had a surgery or like very little so there was almost just a whole level of 
unknown because we hadn't experienced it in our own healthcare system. Right. Gotcha. So what happens next? Like he's going through like illnesses and surgeries and I'm guessing like in your gut, like your family's like, we need to get him home. We need to get healthcare here in Regina. Is that kind of what was going through your guys' head? Yeah, that was my biggest priority and my mom's for sure too. There was just, um, it was such a balancing act. So there was a few things to work through. Um, my mom was really fortunate. Our family is very fortunate that they had a friend from a different place in Costa Rica come mm. and spend time with my mom. So she had someone to be in the hotel with her and get her back and forth to the hospital. So there was that balancing act. There's also um, trying to speak on the f- phone when you oh. don't have good service. So there's that trying to like that was a priority, trying to work through that and figure out the best way to contact people. Yep. There's getting him back to Canada. There's contacting the insurance company to s- most uh, insurance companies require uh, pre-approval. Yep. But when things happen in emergency situations, you're doing it after the fact. So right. trying to get a hold of insurance companies or insur- the insurance company and start that process. Um, and then also at the same time, we didn't know if he was how long, if he would make it. There was times that I was told to fly down to Costa Rica to say my goodbyes. So mm. when I like many priorities that were changed every single day, many times a day. And you go from like grieving what's happening or feeling like you are like feeling the moment and feeling sad to feeling frustrated and upset with these these layers that you're gonna have to overcome like when my dad was sick I was in Mexico and just dialing out of the resort just felt like a task because you just want to you need that immediacy that urgency to talk to someone so that I can just imagine was the last thing you your, your family wanted to deal with well, yeah, you're just always in this heightened state of like just running around yeah. and you feel like there's always adrenaline. So if we get one thing figured out, that'd be really great. But then there was something else that was just always going. Like I felt like I was at a heightened state for weeks on end. Totally. And as you mentioned, it's not an easy process to just say like, okay, we're going to, we're going to send him back to Regina. Like there is a process that has to go through. I think it's called re- repatriation. Can you quickly define what that experience was like for anybody listening who, who's like, I don't even know what step one would look like. Fortunately, my parents had health, um, travel healthcare insurance. Um, I cannot imagine going through this without that. It, mm. it was painful enough working with adjudicators and the insurance company and coordinating that between the hospital and the medical team and then the hospitals here in Regina or somewhere in Saskatchewan. Yeah. So that was, I just want to acknowledge how grateful I am that they had the insurance yeah. um the that was the most challenging piece to work through was the doctors in Costa Rica wa- they also wanted him to be home and where like where he could receive care here yeah and then you're waiting on an insurance company so the process itself was getting approvals from insurance who was waiting on uh, reports and updates from doctors who would send them on a Friday and then they weren't received until a Monday. Um, And to be honest, I was very hysterical at many different times. The process for repatriation really came down to the insurance company approving a private charter to go down Mm. um, with a full medical staff that's uh, fully staffed. Yeah. So fully staffed with all the equipment, all the medical equipment that's needed uh, to then fly home. Oh, and it's, such a sad situation because it is so personal and urgent for you but this is something that they're processing multiple cases throughout a day 
but you just want to be like, can you please do this? Like, I don't know how long he's going to be around for. That just adds a layer nobody wants to deal with. So what did that look like? So once you get that approval, did he just come straight home? What did that look like? It was so complicated. And even before we touched on the repatriation, which I'll just say, like, the reason I use that term is because that's just the term that was used by the insurance companies in the medical facility. If it yep. was just me talking prior to this, I would have said getting my dad home. Totally. Uh, technical term would be considered repatriation. Yeah. But before that was even on the table, it just, I'm sure it's different in every country that you travel to, but uh, what they would do is before they'd provide medical care, they would do another like pre-authorization on my mom's credit card just mm-hmm. to ensure that there'd be some sort of payment. Uh, typically with insurance, you pay for things up front and yeah. then you get reimbursed later. Yeah. Uh, so there was times that they were asking for substantial amounts of money. So I'd be in Canada calling the insurance company to say the medical team isn't proceeding with anything further until they know that this will be covered you, there, you can only use so many credit cards and like that piece of Ugh. it was super complicated. And that's where, when I say hysterical, I think that would be a really accurate way to describe me with the adjudicator many times. 100%. I feel bad for that person. They were just doing their job but at the same time, uh, the stress that we were going through. And we made a very conscious decision that I would stay in Canada. Um, so I could call from a place that was, I know I had good service and could reach the Canadian yep. numbers as opposed to trying to do it from a hospital in Costa Rica somewhere. What a nightmare. Like that's something that nobody should have to go through. But the reality of the situation is people get sick overseas all the time, right? What happened next? That was the process for just getting medical care and keeping the procedures moving forward. Repatriation was a little bit different. Obviously the cost attached to that is just astronomical. Um, So it required the... Costa Rica medical team to provide sufficient information that that was actually required and it wasn't just something that we were requesting Um, and then it took the adjudicators several days to go through it and Mm -hmm. this was during a time where I was being asked to fly down to say my goodbyes and then we were oh wait he might be repatriated he might be able to make it a bit longer so it was was complicated from an administrative side it was beyond complicated from an emotional side so trying to figure this all out and know what to do. It just never felt like you were going to do the right thing. So much pressure. Yeah. So fortunately, uh, the insurance company did approve his repatriation, which was the biggest sigh of relief. And then immediately following was days of administrative work. So booking the plane, finding the medical team, just dealing with all of that. In my mind, I was expecting he's approved. He, they're just going to shuttle him out and have this magic plane waiting for him. I yeah. never thought of the logistics behind it. And you had to find the medical No, plane. sorry, we didn't have to, but oh. I was just in my head. I just pictured, okay, he's approved. He'll be home in five minutes. Yeah, they're like, here's the process. Yeah, they yeah. had to fly down the team of doctors and nurses and pilots. They had to fly down the day before, plus they need to rest. Mm-hmm. So they had to spend the night there and then load everyone up. Uh, it's a smaller plane, so they had to stop somewhere in Texas to refuel mm. um, before making it here. So it... Again, it, that all makes sense and is reasonable, but in your head, when like, you're not come thinking, home now. You yeah, need a now. Yeah. I'm just like, what is taking so long? Hundred percent. And is he stable during this time? It was hit and miss. Um, mm. for the actual flight, they had sedated him quite heavily. Right. Um, but leading up to that, there was really good days, and then there was some really not so good days. Um, just with his health would decline, and then he'd yeah. stabilize for a bit. Um, so he was very sedated for the flight. Makes sense. So he gets back to Canada. 
what are you feeling the first time you see him? Are you feeling relieved? Are you still in action mode? What does that look like? We got to meet at the hangar in Regina. They flew into the private hangar and yep. we, as we were driving up, it was just one of the most surreal feelings. We were actually following an ambulance mm. up and knowing that that ambulance was there for my dad was just the craziest feeling. Yeah. So we sat there and we actually watched the plane land and we got to drive right onto the runway. Yeah. Um, so that was just such a sense of relief. I remember thinking at the time, like just get him home, no matter what else happens, just want him to get, be home. So yeah. That brought so much relief, uh, and I can say it was very fleeting. Yeah. There was just so many other things that were now happening that it was, I don't want to be ungrateful. It was so much better that he was here, mm -hmm. um, but it's not like things were suddenly great by any means. What was that like to see him in the condition that he was in? It was very emotional. Never, my dad has never been sick ever, and I don't have a lot of um, experience with that. So that was hard to see, but at the same time, it was just a relief that he was here. I got to see my mom and hug my mom. We had yeah. been through so much through the prior weeks, just on FaceTime and over the phone. And it just felt like a safety blanket and that we would at least be together for whatever was going to happen next. It feels like a race against time. Like when mm -hmm. my dad's organs were failing and I was on a flight from Mexico back you just feel like like I had to say goodbye to my dad via like a phone call in the Calgary airport because they didn't know if he could last a little bit longer. And you just feel like guilt, but also just like a race against time. And it's hard to describe unless you've been through it before that just the urgency to a brand new level. And then when you do see your family members, like I saw my sister and my mom, like hugging them just brought so much relief it resonates so much there is no way to describe the level of desperation you feel yeah and it even that played into our decision when at one point i was told to come fly down but at the same time they were still scheduling trying to schedule his repatriation so in my i'm trying to think understand emotionally what I have to do, but still be logical where mm -hmm. what if I get down there in the meantime, he's approved and he flies home yeah. and I landing in Costa Rica. Like it was just all of it. Yeah. It was just so overwhelming. So for them to land and be there was a huge sigh of relief. Awesome. Before we move on past repatriation, is there anything about repatriation or getting sick overseas that we might not currently know that you that we haven't had a chance to touch on that would be helpful for anybody listening? I think just that, I don't know how much you can plan, but do not like over underestimate the importance of insurance, the importance of knowing where medical facilities are or what you would do yeah. and have some sort of contingency plan. Yeah. Uh, my parents were living in a more of like a smaller town in for the winter. So there was one doctor to go to. They knew where to go. But if let's say you're in a big city and mm -hmm. no one speaks English, like that would just be pure chaos. So yeah. uh, I'm a planner and I know a lot of people are probably a lot more spontaneous than me. And I love that. And I hope that doesn't change, but yeah. I would say like be prepared to plan and uh, know what to expect if you can. Like I've heard of people that, you know, leave the States and have a $200,000 medical bill. Yeah. We never really got to that point because they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't do a medical procedure until there was some sort of proof of payment ahead yeah. of time. Yeah. Um, so it's just different. You need to, you, I would recommend that you know what your plan covers um, and what it would look like. Even as I was doing a little bit of research prior to this interview, I read that one in four people will get ill when they're traveling overseas. And that's not necessarily meaning hospitalization. That could just be like, we've all been there. You're eating new food, different things like that. But the risk is high and the cost is really high as well. So I think that insurance tip is really important. So your parents make it back to Canada and into Regina's ICU. 
right before Christmas, what happens next? I wish it could, I could say it went, uh, it was smooth sailing from there, but it was, it felt equally as complicated. My dad was originally transferred from the airport via ambulance to one hospital, was in ICU for a handful of days where my mom and I could go visit. And this was still in the middle of COVID. That was actually some of the delays. Had to get tested for COVID before they could fly. Um, a bunch had to do the Arrive Can app and trying to uh, teach my mom how to do the Arrive Can app while she's in Costa Rica. Like everything, nothing, yeah, yeah. nothing was simple. Just put it that way. After a few days in ICU in one hospital, they decided to transfer him to MICU, which is another unit at another hospital where he would have better care. So that was comforting. But the other hospital had different COVID restrictions. And because my mom had just entered the country, and within 14 days, she was no longer able to go visit him, oh, which no. I understand. Like there's protocols and I'm, I understand that. And like, I want everyone to do what's best and what's safe, but she had just seen him daily for yeah. several days. So that was super hard. And that's uh, her partner. Yeah. Right. Her husband of you know 30 some years. Yeah. And for me to be able to go there on Christmas and have to FaceTime her <sighs> was, it's just complicated. Cause it's one hand you feel relief that he's here and you're lucky to see him for Christmas at all. And then the other side, it just felt like, why can't she be here? None of this makes sense. So that kind of went back and forth and he would move in and out of units as things progressed or declined. And then ultimately in January, um, think he had a decent week and they actually were talking about discharging him mm. and kind of out of nowhere had some internal bleeding. And similar to you, I got a call uh, about 10 minutes before an interview that I was supposed to go into. And I had to call a colleague and say, I, I can't go. You need to step into this interview. And by the time I was getting to the car, I got a phone call back that I wouldn't make it to the hospital in time. So I said my goodbyes over the phone and then did make it to the hospital in time and oh, was good. able to say my goodbyes, although he was um, not coherent at that point. And right. yeah, so on January 12th, just over a month after everything started, um, he passed away in the general hospital. I'm so sorry, Tawny. That is just a lot to handle and navigate all in a short amount of time while shouldering just so much stress and uncertainty. And then to add that outcome that you were fearing most after you and your mom had already experienced such loss, that's just, it's just devastating. There's just no bright side, but, um, I'm really proud of you for how you showed up for your family. Again, this is going to sound like such a dumb question, um, but it's a good jumping off point for the rest of the conversation. How were you feeling after your dad passed? I keep using this word, but complicated. Yeah. It's so complicated. You um, saying goodbye is something that's so awful and I don't want people to do that. But then I see people and I've been through it where you don't get that chance to say goodbye and I don't know which one's worse. Yeah. Um, watching someone that you love so much be that sick and, you know, have to go in front of you is oh. so heartbreaking. But at the same time, it was um, comforting to know that I was there with him and I have that to, to take forward. So complicated. 100%. Like when dad passed away and his family was around him, I was around him. It's so sad to watch and, and traumatizing for sure. But it also felt like an honor. Like mm -hmm. I get to be so lucky in this man's most vulnerable point in his life that I get to be there to send him out. And you can take comfort knowing that you he, he wanted you there, which is important. Yeah, and I would never take that back or want it to be any different. It's just... Complicated. Yeah, thank you. 100%. <laughs> I'll try to find a new set of vocabulary for the second half I of don't this. think you need to. I think it, it resonates for anybody that's had to say goodbye in that way. 
So this is the unimaginable component because bringing back what we had learned in the previous episode of saying goodbye to your brother and now you're saying goodbye to your second very close loved one. Did it feel like a familiar feeling for that grief that, or was this different? It was the same and it was different just in like two different ways. So it was the same in the sense losing a loved one is losing a loved one. Like the level of devastation is just, that's the same, but it was different. I think I had probably started to grieve my dad a bit. I like the, his prognosis was not um, super hopeful. So it was different in the sense with my brother, it was out of the blue. It was just an accident that happened where this one was, you know, I'd watched him decline over a month or so. So that felt different um but same set of emotions did you feel more equipped to take on this since you've been through this before you're smiling I'm interested to hear what you say I was equipped in the sense of I I knew what to go through so kind of sidebar is I also volunteer with grief groups so I support people going through uh, recent grief themselves and I just wrapped up a session kind of just before this happened and so in my mind, I like know the the steps of what to expect and I know like to get a counselor. Like I know yeah. I have all the resources or all the resources. I have all the tools and it was almost like I was going at it like from a business problem or academically right. and like less, not that I wasn't emotional, but it felt more like process driven. And I can't remember, I think someone had to stop me and be like, okay, I know this is what you're focusing on, but it's okay to feel the way you're feeling. So I feel that was just this, like I know that I can't uh, control it and it's going to happen when it happens and you're going to feel the way you feel. And I just, I think maybe I thought I would like have a better handle of it because I have all these resources and yeah. I've been through it. So I was humbled. And you, f- you probably felt like, okay, we've done this before. Here's the roadmap that I followed last time. This might help this time. It's, it's interesting. Like the last conversation we had, we talked about grief glasses and how, whenever you go through grief or a similar experience, like you can see others that have gone through the same thing. And we kind of joked like, Oh, we can now see each other through each other's grief glasses. No, now like with your dad passing through a critical illness, like our grief glasses are literally the exact same pair now. So it's interesting. Now we can have those conversations. The difference is, is that you've already lost a loved one. And what I would love to know, and did this compound the grief where you started to feel like, why does this keep happening to me? Or was this something where you could take comfort in the resilience journey that you had before that you, you've made it through this, you can do it again? Oh, I wish I could say I was as aware enough to draw on past resilience. And it's not that I ever thought I wouldn't be okay. I knew I would. And to anyone that's gone through something hard, people always ask like, how do you do it? And yeah. you just do. So anyone that's been through it understands that that statement. I don't think it compounded necessarily where um, it was too much to handle. It just compounded in the sense that it feels lonely to know it's me and my mom. Yeah. And, you know, like we had a family of four and now we have a family of two. And that's just a, you know, it's a, it's nice to be able to be with my mom and have such a close relationship with her. Uh, we've only gotten closer. So that it's like pushed us to to be that way um, but at the same time it's kind of sad and yeah. that part of it is what compounds for me for sure so what kind of responsibility do you have to take on with your family after your dad's passing I remember we chatted about how you were very much the like planner and stuff with with your brother passing 
did you take on that similar kind of role with your dad's passing, especially supporting a, a parent who's losing their partner? What was that like for you? I did step into a similar role and not necessarily because my mom asked or needed me to, but I think be having something to do yeah. and a bunch of lists to check off was my way of just getting through those initial weeks. So yeah. um, it felt really nice to be able to help my mom with the estate and deciding for having, a, my dad didn't want a funeral. So we were trying to decide like what we would do instead of that. And um, cause my parents didn't live here there. She doesn't have a house to live. So trying to figure out where she would live and like there was lots of logistics to work through. So I stepped into that planner role just because so many people were like, that was so nice of you. That was amazing. You could do that. And I guess what everyone didn't realize is that was just from as much for me yeah, because uh, it helped me cope in that time. It's interesting. Hey, when people go through grief, some people can't do it. They're like the thought of even like cleaning the garbage right now sends me into hysteria. Whereas some people are like, I need to stay busy or I will go into that hysteria. What was it like for you to go through this as COVID was happening? Did that complicate things even more? Mason, of course it complicated right. things. I'm laughing. It's, it was not funny at the time. I do remember laughing just out of not knowing what else to do. But a few days after my dad had passed away, I was tested positive for COVID. Oh gosh. So now I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't leave yeah. my bedroom. My mom was staying with us for a period of time before we um, got her where she's now living. So she was in the living room, basically. I was in the bedroom. And so like talk about being forced to sit with your feelings. Yeah. Do that in a bedroom for five or seven days. 100%. So not uh, funny, kind of funny. And uh, are you somebody who likes to be around others when you're going through that? Or do you like to isolate? I think maybe a little bit of both. Like in general, I'm a very social person and would probably have preferred to have friends come visit or just get out of the house and do things. Yeah. Um, so what so, was that like for you? Uh, it was just, it was challenging because if, let's say I hadn't done that and I just didn't leave my house, I would have balanced my time between... I don't know, having a bath or doing some things and seeing people. And I couldn't, I wouldn't let myself just, I wasn't going to grieve all day, every day. Yeah. Like I, so I would try to, I don't know, binge something on Netflix or just balance yeah. it out a little bit, but it was long and just frustrating. Like I, there were so many things that had to be done and I was in that uh, like list mode. Right. So couldn't go to the bank, couldn't do anything with any documents. And that was just not like, that's what I felt like I needed at that time. So in hindsight, it was probably the best thing for me because I had to slow down. It forced me to process some things that maybe I would have put off for a while. Yeah. Um, but I was not grateful at the time. I can right. I remember that very clearly. Totally. That would have been, you're like, what else? Like the last thing you need right now is isolation and like the threat of COVID-19 and what that could do to your health, all that sort of stuff. So that's in the short term. How has your life changed in the long term after losing a parent? Oh, it's, there's just so many things that I miss or make me sad. So there's things that make me really, really happy. Yeah. Uh, one thing I feel so fortunate is that I grew up with a dad that was full of emotion and wasn't scared to show them. And I think that's very rare to see from a yeah. man. And, he, you know, he worked blue collar and um, I've never really understood where my sensitive side comes from and just kind of be able to reflect and think back on him Um like I feel very fortunate to watch that and know how I want to be and what I want to not be scared to do or say or express. Um, so I feel like that's changed me just in recognizing and leaning into that a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, there's so many things that I miss that are sad. I, uh, my dad was around when me and my partner got engaged. So we got to share that with him, but knowing that we're planning a wedding, he yeah. won't be at is, you know, heartbreaking. And, yeah. um, 
my dad was my biggest fan. He just adored everything I did and supported me. Like, it's just so hard to describe how I'm sure everyone feels this way, but yeah. my dad just loved me the most. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was the best. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, getting my, the first promotion I got after he was gone that he'd always be my first phone call because I can, I, I know exactly what he would have said, but oh. just the way he express, expresses his support and um, admiration for me is yeah. unlike anything else. And my mom is just as great and we've shared those moments as well, but my dad and I just had connected in that way. And that's what like I really miss and is really sad. Yeah. I I'll never forget. Like my dad is a writer's fan has been the biggest writer fan. I I had known for the longest time. And when I got my job with the writers, I called oh. him who's at a hot tub convention <laughs> and I'll never forget just how excited and proud he was in that moment. So I totally relate. Now when I get a promotion, like you can kind of picture what he would say. It just doesn't feel the same to be able to have that conversation with him. I didn't get to come out to my dad. <sighs> Things that I wish I could do. And I know he would have been incredibly supportive about it. But I'm I wasn't so proud. There, and I wasn't there in my journey yet. But at the same time, it's heartbreaking to think. But you can, I feel like we all know, right? Like you feel, you can feel what the reaction would be if you like truly know your parents. So, so true. Totally relate. What was, how has this changed your relationship with your, with your mom? Oh, we're so close. Okay. Not that we always weren't. We just were... I feel like normal and yeah. um yeah we've gotten really close we recently went on a trip together and yeah. um it's fun to you know when something happens or we see something or we're out somewhere to think oh that's my dad or oh my god how how much would dad have laughed at that yeah. or uh, just yeah it's fun to have that with her where we still talk about him lots and yeah. incorporate him in and yeah we've gotten really close and I'm so thankful for that I love that I think what a gift, I guess, through losing my dad would be. Hate using that terminology, but like Hashtag I blessed. <laughs> yeah, I I am not the handiest person whatsoever. You've seen me <laughs> yeah. try to put together okay. a tent while we're camping. Yes. yes, yes. Not at all. But it forces you to typically I would have called dad and been like, mm -hmm. Hey, how do I do this? And he would just come over and do it. It kind of forces you out of that shell in order to to try things on your own. Has there been a moment for you yet where you've been able to be like I did this on my own dad would have done this for me or but like I'm a little bit more resourceful than I was prior to oh yes I actually like, I would call my dad from the grocery store <laughs> to be like what type of steak do I like sure how do I buy ribs yeah. I don't just things that dads know yeah. um so I don't know if there's one specific thing that stands out I can admit I've um been able to like realign that yeah. energy to my fiance. <laughs> Jory's so, problem. Now. So grateful for that. I'm sure. Right. Um, but there's things that I've like, I'm sure I've done on my own that maybe don't stand out, but I know my dad would be yeah. just cheering for me that I at least attempted it. Totally. So this has happened. It's been less than a year. Correct. Yeah. It feels like this, or at least you come off on the surface of like well-adjusted, like you're, you've handled this well. What are you doing? To, to make that happen. Is that that experience you've had mm. before? Is this just what we're seeing? Is there like, t give me a little bit of that background. I think again, there's two sides to it. So I, at least I, I felt more prepared in, I already was working with a therapist who gave me some of the best advice when my dad was here still, he was very sick. And I had said something along the lines of, I just don't want this to change me. Mm. And I, I meant it from the perspective of I don't want to come out of this bitter or angry or oh, yeah. whatever like that's what I was focusing on and my therapist looked at me and was like 
it's going to there no matter what and i remember thinking no it doesn't have to yeah. i can i can like, do you know who i am yeah i will yeah. get a rise a rise above this and yeah. uh, it was just so real for him to say that because there yeah there was no way regardless of the outcome if my dad was still here with us yeah. i would have been different because of everything that happened so that helped me just kind of ease into knowing i need to let go and yeah. As I'm sure you can tell, I'm, I like to be in control and I like to plan as much as possible. Just like release the expectations yeah. of yourself. So that was probably one of the biggest things that helped me just ease into that a bit more. But I was already working with, also, I work with multiple therapists and counselors. So I yeah. had that on the go. I had grief group that I can now be a participant in, which yeah. was, like all of those experiences are a little different um, when you're going through something and talking to someone about it. Um, and then when there's an outcome, yeah. It, it's just two different things, but I felt like I had already started some of that. So that was really helpful. Um, I was already listening to podcasts and I had books and I, I just felt a little bit more, I could skip yeah. like a couple months of wandering aimlessly and trying to figure out what I needed and started that. And I'm not saying that was perfect. It was still messy. Um, and I cry all the time. Like that part was new because I still, like I miss my brother and I have moments of being emotional, but yeah. 13 years later, I'm not... And it's not something I get emotional about daily. And yeah. um, it was hard to accept that for a foreseeable amount of time, I am going to be grieving at a heightened right. state. So, sure. you know, crying daily is not something I do. And it was like, at first I was fighting it and it was hard to just give into that. Yeah. Did you feel like it's, since it was familiar in a time that it didn't feel like the shock was as insurmountable. And what I mean by that, like when dad passed away for me, it just felt like a, I am never going to get over this. I don't know what this is going to look like when I've adjusted back to normal life. I just don't see how I'm going to get there. Did you have a little bit more hope because you had you kind of adjusted already with your brother in, in some sort of capacity? I did. And it's interesting you asked that. I have, unfortunately, my friend's mom passed away this week really suddenly. And mm. she asked me, does this get better? Mm. Um, and my response was something along the lines of, yes, mm -hmm. not anytime soon. And like, it breaks my heart to tell you that, but it does get better. There's a part of you that will always be broken, but there's lots of parts of you that will, will heal. And, and um, sometimes it's a sneak attack when it gets bad again. Yeah. And like, like I was at a restaurant and I like came on the menu to like my dad's favorite dish. And I just like, it's sad for a moment. And sometimes like that carries and sticks with you for like a week after you just never know what can trigger those little moments of sadness. It's so funny, not funny, but it's funny you say that because Jory and I were in the restaurant, um, talk, somehow we got talking about ice cream that we ate as a child yeah. and we were sharing how whatever his dad always bought this brown and my dad brought this and then all of a sudden it was just the waterworks hit and yeah. I looked down like the tablecloth was just covered in droplets and I just give me a moment <laughs> yeah. just need a moment I, like I'm not going to race through this I'm not going to rush it yeah just you don't need to comment just keep the servers away from me and let me feel my things for a minute yeah, yeah I'm for super, sure and he's like I'm lucky to have someone that is willing to sit in that uncomfortable <laughs> moment while his partner is crying at the table and the entire restaurant probably thinks he'd said something to me to, yeah, to he's start like, it. But good to know we're not talking about Rocky Road ever yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He's super supportive. And what was returning to normal? I'm I'm using air quotes. What to normal life? What did that look like for you this time around? That was a little 
different in the sense I'm just further like I've just different stage of life um my boss or who I report to is amazing through my dad's illness I got lots of time away I had the flexibility to come and go especially once he was in Regina I was at the hospital every day and for two weeks I was the only one allowed to see him so there was a lot of pressure to make sure I was spending lots of time there if you're not there for the rounds you don't get the updates no that was something that blew me away maybe I've watched too many movies but I thought there would be a doctor or someone that sits us down in an office and tells us what happens and unless you're there for rounds you get nothing and that could be at 8 a.m that could be at 4 p.m you just never know when they'll have time to come in and give your updates when your lab test results come back you could go downstairs to grab a chocolate milk from the cafeteria and you could miss them and I don't want to throw shade at the medical, like our healthcare system. I understand it's just completely overloaded right now. And we had lots of great care and we worked with some amazing doctors and nurses and cleaning totally. people. Like we, that, like we worked with some great people, but just in general, it's um, not what I expect. Cause I hadn't been yep. through that. So again, would have been helpful to it's know. Not Grey's Anatomy when nope. the doctors are all staring at the, through the window to see how their test results are doing. Yeah. yeah it's not, not the same. All. So, and that's something we've talked about prior to before is that's a luxury to have an employer that lets you say whatever you need, go do it. And to have that sustainable income to know that you'll be okay if you have to miss a shift or two, like that's something to be very lucky and grateful for. Oh yeah. I did not take that for granted at all. And I have so much appreciation for my employer and my team that picked up the slack while I was away and that I would have to just leave at a moment's notice to get there for rounds, as I was saying. Um, So that, that part of the transition was hard because I had, I definitely had some time off, which um, was great. And I, you know, it was paid time off. So I'm, yeah. was appreciative for that. But then um, I still had, before I went off, I was in the mode of working, going to the hospital. And then all of a sudden I had a couple of weeks off and then I went back and yeah. I wasn't going to the hospital every day. That was just an odd transition yeah. in general. Um, it takes a while to unwire yourselves to, situations so a good example here is i'm still when my sister calls me because dad was sick for a couple months when my sister calls me i still get a spike of anxiety because i'm so used to here's the call to hear if dad's test results are back if his liver enzymes are going down here's where i find out if i'm going to be if my world is going to be blown away or not and it takes a while for that to happen. Do you have any moments like that? Oh my gosh, yes. And I know triggers is like a pretty big buzzword right now. But for the longest time, because when my brother passed away, there was three people that came to my work to tell me. Mm. So after that, if someone came to visit me, I had to tell, Do not. I do not like surprise visits at yeah. work. Because I assumed if you're walking in, it's for something awful that you can only say in person. Exactly. So I had to, my parents, at the time, my parents would come visit me because they were also customers where I worked. And yeah. I had to tell them to stop. Yeah. I, was, I would have like a little mini meltdown each time. Uh, so there was that. And yeah, if I get a phone call at 10 a.m., yeah. I'm just bracing myself. And I try to, I just had this conversation with a friend the other day. I try to let go of some of that trauma. And I don't want my life to be controlled by fear. Yeah. Uh, but there's just a little part of you that your natural instinct is something happened. Exactly. Yeah. Same with me. If somebody messages me to say, can I call you? I am like, what is it? You need to call me right now. Or if somebody just messages me and says, Mason, I'm like, who's, who's ill? Like there's something going on here. So like encourage anybody listening to say, give some context. Everything's okay. Give me a call when you can, please. (laughs) Help your friends out. Yeah. So let's tie this all together. What lessons did you learn through this through grief this time around? I learned that you're not in control of it. 
I already knew that, but I was reminded when I tried to control it all over again. Right. Um, I remember, I learned that as much as it's the same, it's different. I just, I miss my dad in different ways than I miss my brother. And to throw this in the mix, we had to put my dog down this year also. And <sighs> like how I miss him is also different. And you just, you can't compare them. So I've learned a lot about trying not to compare it and not having expectations and just letting yourself feel what you feel. What's that mean? Like, how do you grieve your brother and your dad and your dog differently? It, the best way to describe it is my dad and brother weren't falling asleep in my bed with me the way my dog was. And True. so like the way I'm, yeah. that also sounds really weird now that I just heard myself <laughs> say it, apologize for that. Uh, but like, so the way I miss my dog is yeah. like, I can, I see the difference day to day where missing my dad is wanting to hear his voice and share yeah. exciting news. Missing my brother is um, more so on things that we missed over the years of him not being here. So he doesn't yeah. know my fiance. Um, it, so every, every piece of what I miss is just so different. That's so true. Like you weren't calling your dog to say that you got a promotion. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I would have told him and he would have been so happy for me. Yeah, but, totally. Yeah. Any other lessons learned through grief this time around? To try to find a balance of it's okay to protect myself, but I, like I just said, I can't live in fear. So yeah. now that two things have happened, I can't sit here and wait for another shoe to drop that, yeah. um, and like cliche live each day. Like it's yeah. last. It's not necessarily that I feel like I do that to an extreme, but it was just another reinforcement of what yeah. I already knew and to care about relationships and care about the time that you spend and be intentional. And then I think one other thing I've learned which has been kind of cool is that people need to talk about this stuff. Since my dad's passed away, uh, unfortunately I've had other friends or people I know go through yeah. some really hard times and they need to talk about it with people. So mm -hmm. even though I may not be in their super close circle of friends, I've had lots of people reach out just saying, can we go for coffee? Do you have resources? Yeah. Do you have a counselor you can share? And um, so I've just learned that people really do want to talk about this and I don't know why we don't. That totally makes sense. And I think a lot of people when they're going through this, it's a very like scary experience. So they want to lean on somebody that's gone through it. I get it as well. It's a, it's a gift, I think, to be able to provide that without feeling triggered. So mm -hmm. that's awesome that you can provide that help for others. Quick question. How can a listener best prepare? We talked about illness overseas. Is there anything else outside of like insurance to, to, to think about? Me personally, I would not travel without insurance. Yeah. Just seeing what our family went through with insurance. I can't imagine having a couple hundred thousand dollar bill and trying to charter a private plane to go pick up a family member on your own dime. 100%. So I don't want to preach it, but I would strongly encourage everyone to explore that and just understand what it means. And it, I don't, if like medical piece aside, I was telling you the story before that uh, on a trip that we went on recently, one of our bags was lost for about eight days. Yeah. And we found out, because we did have insurance just through our credit card, that they'd reimburse us $500, yeah. which was great. But we didn't look into that insurance first. Well, I would have known that. I would have bought additional insurance yeah. because my belongings um, were more than the $500 price tag. But that's on me. I have to be accountable. Yeah. And it's just a reminder that for some things in life, or most things, there's no one in your corner checking in. You you're responsible for doing these things and yeah. it's not fun. It's not sexy. It's the boring part of, you know, thinking of traveling or it can kind of take away from the just anticipation of going somewhere, but it's so important. And yeah, yeah we're, we're so fortunate that my parents had gotten that insurance. 
that's something I miss about not having a parent is like that was always like my overwatch in terms mm-hmm. of like, well, you know, your dad, right? Like make sure that you're filling up before you leave and yeah. different things <laughs> like that. Right. So I feel like I have to constantly gut check on myself to make sure that I'm doing like steps for travel insurance and stuff like that. Cause I don't have that person to bounce those different ideas and, and things I should be thinking about off of. When you just think it's never like, that's not going to happen to me and whether or not you have yeah. that intentional thought run through your head, People think that because people end up without insurance yeah. or whatever, without some sort of plan in place. And my mom has said multiple times, we just never expected anything like this to happen. Yeah. And because, yeah, most people don't sit there and think of doomsday before when they're yeah. heading on an exciting adventure. Nobody needs insurance until they really do, right? Even We should also say neither Mason or I work <laughs> in the insurance <laughs> industry. That may not be obvious right now. Well, even we had somebody on my work team pass away suddenly at 30 years old. And I it scared me because I was 30 at the moment. And... I was, I was talking to my financial advisor and she was talking about disability insurance and how like this is how you can set yourself up to make sure that like if you are ill or you need to get off of work, like how you're okay. Just having those conversations like we were talking about, that's so important because I didn't know about different things like that. So it's, it's important and I agree. I do not work for any sort of Harvard Western insurance or anything <laughs> like that. It's just, it's something I've learned that I'd like to pass down and I'm, I'm, I'm appreciate that you, you feel like that too. What about grief planning is what can others prepare for? Oh, that's a tough question because grief planning is kind of like a Why did I demented. Say grief oh, do you mean like yeah. estate planning? That, do I mean estate planning? <laughs> what I mean for is like in the event that somebody does pass away. But I think you kind of just checked me in this interview. Like you can't really plan for it. And the more you try to plan for it, it just never goes that way. Absolutely. It's not going to go that way. And all you've done is take away from time that you could have been better spending with your loved ones or, I mean, strike a balance, take care of yourself, have your stuff organized, have your finances in order, have a will, all that stuff. Like that's important, but I wouldn't take that to the extreme where (laughs) when my mom passes away, I will do a, B and C. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Um, you could decide what your death plan looks like with like, do you want a death doula? Do you not? Like, do you want cucumber sandwiches at your at your mm. funeral? Do you not? Things like that. My parents were also prepared. They had their insurance and they also have wills in place. And oh my gosh, as, as complicated as working through estates is, yeah. having that will just made everything easier. Yeah. N- when someone passes away, nothing is simple. Nope. I, I, and if someone can find something, I will take back those words. But yeah. until then, I'm confident in that statement having a will just made things less challenging than they already were. And keep in mind the state of mind people will be in when like emotions will be running high. You won't be as logical as you need at the moment. So as much as you think like, oh yeah, my sister's got this, like you have no idea how they will respond in that moment. So that that plan is important for them. Okay, let's take a quick break. You heard it from Taunting Yourself. Having a will is so important, but more than 62% of Canadians don't even have one. A big reason is that it's intimidating to get started. I have Christy Payne, who is an estate payout advisor here at Connexus on the line, and she's going to share why it's important to have a will and how to get the process going. Take it away, Christy. Thank you, Mason. During such a difficult time, it is so important for you to have a will. Your loved ones are grieving your death. The last thing they should have to do is guess what your wishes would be. By making a will, you can provide for your loved ones, decide who will get your home and property, 
clearly state who should receive your personal possessions, leave instructions about who will take care of your children and dependents, and name who will be the executor of your estate. Having a will may help in avoiding delays in settling your estate, reduce administrative paperwork for your family, provide peace of mind and clear direction about your wishes to your family and loved ones. You can make changes to your will as often as you like. You should change your will when you have a child, you get married, divorced, or enter into a common law relationship, if someone mentioned in your will dies, or if you acquire new valuable property or possessions. You should keep your will in a safety deposit box, a home safe, a fireproof box, with your lawyer or with a trusted friend or family member. Always make sure your executor knows where to find your will. Hey, thanks, Christy. It's never too early to talk about your will and get that in place. I'm 32 years old and I just did mine this past summer. It might not be the funnest thing to talk about, but it also gives you the opportunity to outline things that really matter to you. For me, it was making sure that it is more of a celebration at my funeral and that there is absolutely under no circumstances any egg salad sandwiches. I'm not even kidding, that is in my will. But that's enough about me. Let's get back to our conversation with Tawny couple more questions for you before we jump into some speed round questions. Where are you now in your journey with grief? And what would you tell someone who is just beginning this time in their life or feels stuck in their own grief journey? It's it's very similar to a question I previously asked you before. Just day to day. Um, every I still feel like I'm it's fresh and uh, I haven't gone a long period of time where I had with my brother where yeah. I've had you know, more good days than bad. And not, I don't think I, my days are as bad or as dark as they were at the beginning, but yeah, you just get taken aback really quickly. And this is the year of all the first. So, Mm. um, we just celebrated Thanksgiving and you know, my dad wasn't there. And like I said, I got a promotion. Couldn't tell him that Christmas is kind of around the corner. We got through his Mm. birthday, my parents' anniversary. So lots of firsts. So that's always raw and emotional. Um, yeah, it's it's just day to day, and I think it always will be. I don't ever anticipate me. If let's say we chatted in ten years, I would be shocked if I was like, "Oh, I'm good." Yeah, we like things are good. I'm really good. I'm never emotional, and right. I'm wrapped up the whole grief thing. Um, it's just ongoing forever, and I don't mean that to scare people. It's just integrated into who I am and how I think and how I operate. Um, and then it's just up to me to decide like what level and how much I let that define me. Totally. What have you learned, and I wish I would have asked you this the first time around, but I'm really interested to hear this question asked now and how you answer it. What have you learned about yourself through the passing of your brother and your dad? Oh, I feel like there's lots of things I could say. Like, I'm more resilient than I ever thought I'd have to be. But yeah. when I, like, really, when I get down to who I am, I've learned that I am controlling <laughs> okay. and that I like things to go a certain way. Uh, and I just bring that up because I see how that plays into other areas of my life. And I haven't necessarily understood where that comes from. Yeah. Um, but going through everything with my dad, I've been able to piece together. It's when your world is falling apart and something is happening that's out of your control, mm-hmm. you'll grasp on to something. Yeah. So you're just looking for anything to control. So sure. like, don't even ask Jory how many times I asked him to like wipe the counter when my dad was sick because that's what I could control. So sure. I've just learned that. And I don't even mean that to, um, you know, criticize myself harshly. It's just, just important to understand. So yeah. I've learned that. Um, and this is probably what I would have said when we talked the first time. 
I've learned how important relationships are. And what I know about myself now is that I'm confident to say I put in lots of time and effort to the people I care about. And that is absolutely a priority for me and always will be. Like I just brought a friend to a wedding that we were both at and you like sat with them and like authentically cared about making sure that they felt included and happy and excited to be there. So I think when you go through things like this, you are so in tuned into emotion that I think that you become just, you just level up your empathy because you have that in spades. Um, And I don't know if that is because of your resilience journey or if that's just in your nature. But I think that when I think of Tawny, I think of like empathy to the max. Oh, Mason, so nice. I I don't think like that, not that I'm intentional with all of that, but that definitely would have increased after my brother um, died. Yeah. I don't like, I was also in my twenties, like my priorities were way different. So it made me grow up and think about where I want to spend my time and how I want to care about people and the impact I want to leave and like not doing things right. So before we let you go, I've got some speed run questions. This was my favorite part of our interview. We did this last time. I'm shaking my head. (laughs) So what you didn't know is, so all the listeners already had to listen to my speed round questions. So I've come prepared with a, 10 speed round questions for you. Oh my God. Because I think you've been interviewing. This is your 40th interview. Yeah. I hope the listeners have uh, gotten to feel like they know you and understand you, but the spotlight's never been on you. So I'm taking this over. I have did not prepare you. I didn't tell you I was going to do oh this. Oh my gosh. And I am going to lead this section. I don't know how to feel about this because I was really excited about my <laughs> questions I was going to ask you because I feel like you knew there were going to be some zingers coming, oh. but... Okay, yeah, let's do it. Okay, this was hard because I didn't have time to re-listen to every single episode before I came, so I was, okay. didn't want to duplicate yours. So you hoping... really wanted to listen to 39, like, hour and a half long. Well, I just want to listen to the speed round question. Oh, so, gotcha. to make sure. Okay, sure. so let's start out easy. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? You want to talk about ice cream after what we just yeah, had yeah. talked about? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's not Rocky Road. Uh, cookies and cream and vanilla. I'm, I'm <sighs> a sucker for a good vanilla milkshake. What's yours? That's so boring. Overall, oh, Rolo, yeah. oh, but it okay. has to be like the brand Rolo. That's like a cop out kind of. Like well, so just, is vanilla ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> also, vanilla ice cream could not be less of a representation of who you are. So I, I just want to make that clear. I asked this question so the listeners could know Should I be Neapolitan you? or something <laughs> just like that? Not vanilla. <laughs> Sorry, I meant to say I am a sh- orange sherbet. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, that, I will accept that. Thank you. Okay, so we recently, I find like every time you and I talk, one of us has just eaten Indian. So can you please clear <laughs> the air? Who has the best butter chicken in Regina? Oh my gosh. And what's funny is when I eat Indian, I only eat butter chicken. We talked about how unadventurous you are in that, yeah. <laughs> in that regard. Yeah. Oh, there's, it. do you know what's funny? I'm not picky with it. It's like at 10 p.m. I eat at really late hours at 10 p.m. Whoever's open, <laughs> but um, I would have to go with, Spices of Punjab. Okay. In Regina. Thank you. Love it. Perfect. Thank you. Is yeah. that what you feel well, like? Well, I wanted a well? recommendation. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. I don't agree, but I, accept, <laughs> I, will I not also accept that answer. <laughs> yeah. Name a song that makes you happy. Oh, my gosh. Anything by Alanis Morissette. <laughs> I love that answer. Yeah. And I don't know why, but it's, I think it reminds me of um, my mom and my auntie loved Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pills album. <laughs> And it reminds me of like driving home to the farm in our old Mazda 
and it smelt like sunflower seeds. Yeah. I don't know why, but it just triggers so much nostalgia oh. and it's just a banger as well. It yeah. is. Yeah. Love it. If you could be any character from a TV show, who would you want to be? Okay, Animated or not? It doesn't have to be. Any character. This is so interesting. I didn't realize how scary See, that this was. This is hard, be. Mason. This is very hard. <laughs> You're going to be so much uh, more kind to everyone. More empathetic yeah. to people on the other side. And I, w- what's interesting too is lots of people will message me after. It's like, hey, I said that I really <laughs> liked this and I hate it. I uh, don't know why yeah. I said <laughs> Just it. Just panic. I get it now. Um would you be so not that i want to pick this person but i'd be monica from friends that is just me oh okay yeah that's fair i you know who i would be i would be david from schitt's creek i date that's yes yeah i I want to answer for you i've always heard that like i am like six out of ten like david like and like he would be cranked up to ten but like who doesn't love david and who doesn't like moira Mm -hmm. as well fold in the cheese david david (laughs) (laughs) If you were trying to impress me, what meal would you cook me? I make a really good goulash. Ooh. And what I've learned about this Can is Can you that tell you're from a small town? <laughs> it's like just throw everything in there. I make it in my instant pot. What I've learned is that goulash is very different and means a lot of different things to a lot of people. But it's basically like a hamburger. It's like adult like hamburger helper. But it tastes really, really good. Yeah, it's good. I feel like you food. now need to make me that because I'm less excited about thinking like about that thought so sure. you even need to prove me wrong okay um so aside from cooking which i don't know if you enjoy that or not what's your not least really. favorite chore to do i hate them all i <laughs> i hate i hate cleaning my cat's litter box Ew. i i have to put on a mask and like be very conscious of breathing through my mouth so yeah it sucks Okay, so before I get to my final question, I will allow you to ask me one question from your Amazing. Because it looks like you did lots of prep and I don't want to discount all your hard work. Oh, I have so many I wanted to ask you. Well, it's your podcast. So you, actually, before we do that, can I just stop and say, good job. Like what you've done with this podcast is just so far beyond what I expected. Coming from a corporation, I thought it'd be all about, I don't know, <laughs> finances or just, I don't know, GICs or something. Right. And you've had guests that cover every spectrum if you've listened to this podcast and there hasn't been a guest that resonates with you like your life must be just like picture perfect (laughs) so good job for what you've done and like thank you for telling these stories and letting inviting people to share such intimate and personal details for everyone to hear i appreciate that i wish i could take all the credit there's truly a team effort behind me that makes this possible but um i totally agree there are stories across saskatchewan that is less stones throw from your backyard and we just don't know them yet so it's it's been a true privilege to be able to to help share them um i'm gonna ask you two questions any celebrity doppelgangers (laughs) (laughs) I've been told <laughs> I look like a Manza from Selling Sunset and I'll take it. She has great style. Sure. Do you <laughs> want to share the other one that came up while we were camping? I do. And I just want to <laughs> at, start with a disclaimer. I do not think I look like this person. I wished I looked like this person. Other people have told me they think I resemble Ashanti. Ashanti. <laughs> Where is Ashanti these days? We need to find her. I don't her. know. Probably was draw rule somewhere. <laughs> For sure. Okay. Um, and then my other question, <laughs> this one isn't that bad. I'm just really interested because I feel like this is an, this is a time I'm going through at the moment, a sign that you've discovered that you, you feel like you're aging. 
Oh my gosh. Uh, I found my first gray hair recently. Actually, Your I didn't first one. I didn't find my first gray hair. Jory found my first gray hair yeah. and was relentless about <laughs> yeah. it. So You're in your mid-30s and you found your first gray hair. Like you're doing pretty good. If I get my hair cut at 32 and I look down, there's gray hairs all over the place. That's too bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so Mason, I'm sure you can guess my question, but no one's asked you this. What no. connects us? That is a great question. And you've Donnie. heard 39 answers, so yeah. you better come up with an original 40th. There's so much that I wish I could encapsulate, but I think it's just humanity. And what I mean by that, it's our stories and our shared experiences that are human. And we all feel a lot of that terminal uniqueness. Like this is something that I'm going through and nobody else has done this before. There's no roadmap. But the more that you speak it and the more that you connect with others about it, the more shame kind of fades away. And I think by giving us that opportunity to have these conversations and to hear and learn from each other in our own backyards, I think that is truly what connects us because you're never alone because somebody has walked a very similar path and finding those people has so much more power than you would originally think. It's so powerful. And what I was getting at earlier when I thanked you is that you're something that connects us now. You are a connection piece well, to this so province through the stories that you've been able to tell with 39 guests and 40 episodes. We all hold that power. Like, I truly believe that we all have the power to make somebody's day. Like, whether that's just messaging somebody to say, you really mean a lot to me, or it's sharing your own personal story. Like, we can all learn from each other. Aww. Did you steal just, this podcast no, from I just, me? I think so. Yeah. I just love you. That's all. Oh, I love you too. <laughs> but yes, this is now my podcast. Awesome. Well, I'm going to take it back. <laughs> Tawny, thank you so much for having this conversation. I was not expecting that, but that brought a smile to my face. This conversation, whenever I have a conversation with you, whether it's on this podcast or it's you and I, like everybody's parting and we are having our own heart to heart <laughs> outside, I just feel so empowered and really connected. And I hope that everybody can listen to your words and your lessons that have come through some really crappy moments in your life. And I think you're just so self-aware. And I honestly think that you are just a gift because you have so much perspective and value to share with others. So thank you so much for sharing that with us here today. Again. Oh my God. I'm not crying. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> awesome. And good luck at Edmonton. Thanks. What a what a what a loss for Saskatchewan. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like I'm narrating a rider game right with now. With each other. <laughs> 100%. Right on. Thanks so much, Donnie. Thanks, Mason. Well, that's it for our chat with Tawny and for our 40th episode of the What Connects Us podcast. We'll be back in two weeks for our next episode. If you've taken value from this episode, though, please do us a favor. Hit that subscribe or follow button. Leave a review of the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on and share the podcast with a friend or on social media. It makes a huge difference for us and helps us continue to tell these stories. We'll see you in two weeks. Let's connect then.